That song, Good, Good Father, by Chris Tomlin. He's a phenomenal worship leader, and a lot of his songs are very simple in nature. Just a couple chords and a lot of the same words over and over, so they're very easy to sing as a worship chorus. In fact, I put the uh, words to the song on the back of your, of your uh, bulletin there, so you can see what they are. But you probably caught them. And again, such a simple message, or some simple lyrics and a, a profound message. You're a good, good father. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you, and that's who I am. Well, this morning I brought a visual aid. I have here a stack of owner's manuals. This is um, just a few pages, and uh, some of them are, it's, it's kind of funny. There's actually an owner's manual for a mattress topper. This is uh, how to use my mattress. And then we've got the riding mower and the UTV, and they're kind of complicated. And then uh, the air conditioner, which is my favorite. And um, there's even one for security light on the house. You know, I just thought you plugged it in. But it's amazing. And uh, the fact that I still have these, and they're neatly organized and, and readily found, says one thing. I'm married. <laughs> um, in fact... Mom, Dad, you can be honest. Sherry was down. She's been down a couple times this season. She was down last weekend, and, and everything's been moved. <laughs> Even since the last time you were down. It looks awesome. It, look, it looks awesome, dear. Um, but anyway, um, but let's be honest, guys. Using an owner's manual, it's a lot like stopping and asking for directions, isn't it? Right? We don't want the help. We don't need it. But haven't we all at some point in our lives said, I wish I had an owner's manual for life itself? Or perhaps you use a cliche, life doesn't come with an owner's manual, and wish it did. See, the problem with most instructions is that they are fairly limited. Some are numbered instructions, step one, two, three, four, and those are really easy to follow. And some are so generic, they don't really do much of good for anything. And some are just pictures, and, and Lord help you if you're not a visual person and you're trying to put together some Ikea furniture, if you haven't done that before. Well, we have several educators in this congregation, and you can probably attest to this. There are many different learning styles. Some learn by reading, some learn by hearing, some learn by watching, and some learn by doing. So think about which category you fall into. And did you know that it's natural for you to assume and act as if everyone else learns the way that you do? So I'm somewhat a visual person, and at work I'm famous for carrying around this notepad, and I'll sketch out things that may just be nothing more than squiggles and arrows because I'm trying to make a point. And, and um, you know, when I try to do this with Sherry, I, I usually get a, a quick eye roll inside that reminds me that she doesn't really learn that way. She learns by, by doing. And uh, historically, it's a joke of some kind, which I just mess up by trying to write out anyway. But think about it for a minute. Perhaps I just gave you a 30-second marriage counseling tip, how to speak to your spouse. <laughs> If we were to create an instruction manual for life that was designed for all people for all time, what would that be worth to you? I'd say quite a bit. See? And uh, what if the deluxe edition included lessons by way of numbered instructions, by way of examples, metaphors, authors' quotes, and historical record, so you could learn from other people's lessons and mistakes? I mean, that's what's so powerful about our Bible study is we look at the verses and we talk about them, and then we kind of share our own story and sometimes we go off on a bit of a tangent, but it's always good because we hear what other people are doing and have done and have learned, and we realize we're not alone in our struggles. And I think you know where I'm going with this. I'm guessing you have your life owner's manual on a shelf somewhere in pretty good condition. Looks like this, perhaps. 
and uh, it's probably in better condition than it should be, no matter how used it is. It's one of those books that you show pride by by having it pretty beat up, and and you might use it for reference, maybe to troubleshoot a problem, right? Or but rarely for the preventative maintenance that is so important. It's kind of like my owner's manuals. But today's Father's Day, maybe not a holiday to celebrate around the world, but I would say certainly anywhere that Hallmark is sold. And it's a day to honor fathers and celebrate them. On Mother's Day, we looked at God's plan for mothers, how he created them so perfectly to fulfill a special need and an important role and need in our lives, not just as their children, but as a society in general. The role of mothers in society is so important. And we also looked at God's plan for the rest of us in supporting, encouraging, and honoring mothers. We took care to ensure that we included mothers of all types, biological mothers, adoptive mothers, foster mothers, and the mother-like figures in our lives. Each called to the special duty described so gloriously throughout the Bible. And dads, I was going to do something similar for us. I'd even prepared a complimentary message, complimentary to go with, not to, not to say nice things about us necessarily, uh, along the lines of what we did for Mother's Day. But then, as it so often does, something broke. Something broke. And that's right, I found myself having to dig out these manuals, and it got me thinking. But on Mother's Day, we gave out dark chocolate squares, and I will not be uh, accused of being sexist. So what do guys like? Meat? Heather, would you mind making sure everybody gets a little bit of a Slim Jim this morning and take a couple if you like? It's the guy's version of chocolate is what that is. I couldn't bring bacon. But anyway, something had broken, and I'd used my manly dad's skills to fix something that I had no knowledge or business of accomplishing. These manly dad skills, they seem like superpowers to the young children, don't they? Dad can do everything. But they are not real in the sense that they exist, but they're real enough to make us feel like we can fix anything. Am I describing anybody in this room? Anybody try to do it a little beyond their own abilities because they just feel this overconfident I'm a man thing? I see more women nodding than guys. But don't feel bad. We aren't the only ones that don't view father's skills accurately. I actually... Uh, when I was kind of preparing for this message, I came across an interesting article, and it talks about how children look at, at their dads over the years. So it says a four-year-old thinks, my daddy can do anything. An eight-year-old says, my dad just doesn't know. A 12-year-old, oh well, naturally dad does, doesn't understand. And 14, my dad, he's hopelessly outfashioned, old-fashioned. And 21, Oh, that man is out of date. What would you expect from him? And at 25, now we're out of college. He comes up with a good idea every now and then. At 30, we say, I must find out what dad thinks about it. And at 35, a little patient. Let's get patience. Let's get dad's input first. And at 50, what would dad think about that? And at 60, I wish I could talk it over with my dad just once more. See, I believe that sometimes we look at our Heavenly Father the same way. As we are spiritually maturing, we go through this process of thinking that we don't need him, or he doesn't know or care about us. And then we become aware of what a good, good father he is, and how he always has been. And as for us worldly fathers, it's much easier to become a father than it is to be one, isn't it? The hard but most rewarding part is the daily work to be the spiritual leaders of our household, to honor and protect our wives and our children. Unfortunately, we have a guide for this. And we're going to take a few minutes this morning and look at a few examples from the Bible, which is our owner's manual for the life we should be living. 
I want to talk about Noah. Noah is an excellent father described in the Bible. He's famous for building an ark and believing in God when everyone around him called him crazy. Noah didn't care that the world was against him. He had faith. He believed in God's word and he raised his children to believe the same. And when God's warning of a flood proved true, Noah saved his children from certain death. He could be seen as the father of the new world, which flourished because he put in the work to build the ark and house two of each animal. Noah stands out among fathers in the Bible as a man who clung to God in spite of the wickedness all around him. Noah was far from perfect, but he was humble and protective of his family. And today we can resemble Noah when we refuse to let whatever people say bother us. True fathers love their children in whatever ways they know to love, and they go above and beyond to protect their sons and daughters from anything threatening to them. Modern fathers may often feel that they are in a thankless role, but God is always pleased with their devotion and their obedience. Then there's Abraham. Abraham was constantly challenged by God, and he constantly met those challenges head on. When he and his wife Sarah were unable to conceive, God blessed the couple with their son Isaac. And you probably remember this story. God challenged Abraham again by ordering Isaac to be sacrificed. And though Abraham's heart was broken, he knew to trust in the Lord. And at the last moment, his hand was stilled by God, and Isaac's life was spared. Abraham's difficult life is a reflection of difficult times that we still face today. Abraham made mistakes, and he relied on himself instead of God. Still, he embodied qualities that any father would be wise to develop. Many modern fathers meet several challenges and learn through experience how to trust God. We talked about that this morning, how we learn from our experiences. And once that trust is developed, fathers pass that unyielding faith and trust to their children who grow old and they grow to love God as well. Moses. Moses is famous for hearing and obeying the word of God. He literally heard the word of God. He did several amazing things, including freeing the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt and returning to Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments we all continue to live by today. Those are the numbered instructions from God. Moses serves as an example of overcoming obstacles that seem impossible to conquer. He served as a father figure to the Israelites as they wandered the wilderness for 40 years to reach the promised land. Remember, for 40 years they did not know if they were going to end up there the next day or a year later or ever. For 40 years they wandered not knowing how close they were. But he taught them and rebuked them and protected them along the way. And I said many times that the promised land, it wasn't that the promised land wasn't ready for the Israelites. They were not ready for it. And they had to go through this process that Moses led them through as their father. Like ourselves, Moses didn't live to see the journey or how it ended for their children. But he had spent his lifetime preparing them. And that's a father's faith and a father's legacy. And today, fathers must overcome several difficulties to help their children and serve as a reliable messenger of God's word. Fathers everywhere can look to Moses as an example for encouragement and faith in this way. And if you ever think you're a total mess, just remember Moses was a basket case. Thank you. Thank you. King David. David's story, much like Moses, began in his childhood. Much like Moses, David encountered a series of trials and overcame each with the help of God. Neither David nor the other fathers of the Bible were perfect, but each asked forgiveness for their sins and lived on to spread God's glory. I think that's the key. With God by his side, David defeated the giant Goliath. He survived slavery and near-death experiences and eventually grew to become one of Israel's greatest kings. It is from his lineage that our Savior was born. 
King David is an amazing example of a father figure who understands what it means to live through difficult times, to experience temptations, and to sometimes succumb to them, and how to conquer them. Many fathers today would do well to learn from his examples. And last but certainly not least is Joseph. Though Joseph takes, or though Jesus takes center stage, it is important to remember Joseph. Joseph, who was Jesus' earthly father, who's partially responsible for raising the Christ child. Jesus endured, or Joseph endured Jesus. Joseph ensured Jesus received an education in carpentry. He ate well and was not in danger and grew to love God the Father. He took care of his earthly needs. Joseph was a righteous man and was chosen to help care for Jesus as an earthly guardian. Just like us, God chose us to be the fathers to our children that we are. Without Joseph's care, Jesus may not have grown in a loving home and wanting for nothing. Joseph was a wonderful father figure for Jesus and the several children he later fathered. Each was a follower of Christ and refused to allow his wife to be humiliated or, or disgraced. If you remember this from the Christmas story, you know, he, he stood behind his wife who, you know, came with this miraculous story that, let's be honest, you have to raise an eyebrow and say, you're pregnant, but the Holy Spirit came and did this. And he stood by his wife in love and faith and would not let her be dishonored. But he was a quiet man. We know who he is, but we don't hear a lot about him. Today's fathers can learn to be compassionate, loving, and righteous from his gentle and quiet nature. The Bible calls Joseph a righteous man, and Jesus must have loved his garden for his quiet strength, honesty, and kindness. And to those of us who have stepchildren or if you have foster children, Joseph displays the example of a father's love for a child that may not necessarily be yours biologically, but certainly is your, your child in your heart. Now, the one thing that each of these Bible fathers have in common is their faith in God. Each of these men believed God would bless them and turn to God in times of tribulation. Modern fathers would do well to learn to do the same, to turn and teach their children to trust in God as well. Now I'll tell you there are some bad fathers in the Bible, all of which had one thing in common. I was kind of going through a list. I don't want to get into them this morning, but they all had one thing in common. They didn't pass along what they knew of God and when they faltered, struggled, or, or outright failed, they didn't correct their children. They didn't rebuke them. A lot of the so-called bad fathers in the Bible had children that were unruly and, and um, just sinning over and over, and the father just let them be. Now, it's true that withholding punishment, or Scripture describes it, withholding the rod can, through passivity, lead them down a path that is far from the Lord and his plans for them. But the same tool can become a weapon, a father's constant prayer should always be for wisdom in your, their marriage and in their parenting. When to rebuke, when to rebut, when to, to hold someone accountable, and when to show the compassion and mercy. And we can look to our Heavenly Father for this example as we see how he deals with us in our indiscretions with a loving kindness, a fair judgment, and when needed, some correction. Proverbs 3, 11, 12 tells it this way. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent it as a rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father of the son he delights in. This applies to us as well. Fathers rebuke, which means correct, reprimand, retrain your children because you love them. Children, do not be angered or resentful when your father does this. It truly is out of love and a desire for you to have a better life. And to all of us, 
Remember that you are God's children, and these lessons apply to you as well. God loves you so much that sometimes he lets some pain and discomfort into your life in order to move you. Think back to the message several weeks ago titled, Called Out in Order to Be Pulled In. It doesn't necessarily cause things, but sometimes he allows things to happen, but with a good purpose, and we really talked about that quite a bit this morning. And whether you consider yourself to be a good father or a work in progress, your Heavenly Father sees your efforts and wants for you wants for you what you want for your children, which is a good life filled with joy and peace and confidence. Psychologists and marriage counselors agree that it is almost impossible to effectively give someone what you have not received or been shown yourself. And if you feel the earthly father failed you in some way, I encourage you to spend some time in prayer and forgiveness. And look to your eternal father as your ultimate provider and protector. He is all that you truly need, and he has never failed you. Now I want to encourage you to take time to reflect on some of the fathers of the Bible and think about who you, who you identify with. Their stories and personalities are diverse, but many of their struggles are common still today. The temptation, the fear, the frustration, the ongoing struggles. But then I want you to dive deeper and study the words and actions of the Heavenly Father in response to them. Ask God to teach you a lesson from the instruction manual that he wrote specifically for you, and then use it and apply it in your life. Use it not just for reference and troubleshooting, but proactively apply God's words as a sort of preventive maintenance in order that your life may run well despite the inherent struggles and challenges along the way. Let's pray. Father God, on, on this, this special day, this Father's Day, we honor all the fathers, all of our fathers, our worldly fathers, those who've had a fatherly impact in our life. God, bless them. Bless them for their efforts. Bless them for their love. Bless them through us that they know that the people we are today are due in part to the people they created. God, for us fathers, help us to make wise decisions in the raising of our children, regardless of the age. Help us to make wise decisions in how we treat and love and respect our wives and the other members of our household. Father God, for those of us who not only are blessed with biological children, but with stepchildren or foster children or, or someone who have just taken under our care as a mentor or otherwise, help us to treat them with love and respect and guide them in the way they should go. For one day, they will be on their own without us, but not without you. And we pray that they continue to make the good decisions that we would have them make. God, above all else, we thank you for the Father you are, the good, good Father that loves us, the awesome example that, that shows us how to love without limit, to forgive without counting how many times. God, for the immeasurable grace that you've shown us. God, we ask for your forgiveness where we've fallen short. We ask for your strength in pushing forward. And God, we just thank you for everything. This earth, our friends, our family. We thank you for this building, the beautiful grounds that surround it. We thank you for the gift of your son and all that he's meant to us and continues to mean. 
And as I always close, I just thank you for the empty places in the pews as the gentle reminder that there is room to invite others into a house of worship and into a relationship with you. God, we thank you for the good, good Father you are. We thank you for your blessings. Amen.